Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. If you were a medical professional, do you think you'd be more comfortable giving birth in the hospital? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 63 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and I've got a great episode for you today. Megan and her husband, both medical professionals, had their first baby outside of the hospital and their second baby at home. Now, unlike many moms who decide to give birth outside of the hospital before or between births, Megan was actually introduced to the idea during her pregnancy and it completely changed her trajectory. Listen in to this incredible episode to hear her journey. Now, before we jump to the interview, I do want to take just a minute to thank our reviewer of the week, and that is Emi Ferrari. And she says, as a first-time mother planning an at-home water birth, this podcast has been a tremendous resource for my in- for information, positivity, and comfort. Hearing stories from midwives, doulas, and mothers who have experienced natural, healthy home births has been essential for myself and my husband in knowing we are not alone in this decision. The information, experiences, and stories discussed in these 60 and counting episodes is real, raw, and so rewarding. I've gained extra confidence in my ability to birth this baby safely at home from listening to these stories every week. I have an hour commute to work and listening to -to back-to-back episodes over the last nine months has been a great way to fill my driving time. Now, as I impatiently await the arrival of our first child, I am listening to episode 60 and trusting my body wholly and fully. Thank you, Caitlin, and all of your guests. Oh, yay. Thank you so much. And I hope that at this point, that was written on January 28th. I hope you have a sweet, precious, amazing, beautiful baby right in front of you. And I hope you will tell us all about it. So email me at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com and I'll be sending you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. I would love for you guys to just take a second to make a quick screenshot of you listening to this episode and upload it to your Instagram stories, tagging happy home birth podcast, maybe a little hashtag give birth on your turf. I am really excited with the give birth on your turf, uh, little hashtag that we've got going on. I'm seeing that popping up more and more. And if you guys want to support the podcast, head over to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash merch, and you can get a give birth on your turf t-shirt designed by my lovely friend. Rachel, the dope doula. All right, guys, please remember that the opinions of myself might not necessarily reflect those of my interviewee and vice versa. And although Megan is a medical professional, neither one of us are giving you medical advice today. So continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Megan, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am so excited to have you. If you don't mind, I would love for you to start off by just introducing yourself to the listeners. Yeah, so my name is Megan. I'm a, a registered nurse, and I'm married to my husband, Stefan. He is a paramedic. Um, we have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Addison and an almost four-month-old uh, son named Porter. Oh, sweet, sweet names. Also, our, our, our second babies are very close together. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was obviously June 13th. following along. Yeah. So what was your, your baby's birthday? July 2nd. 
Oh yeah. Super close. That's awesome. Oh, they're going through the same little milestones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, okay. So you just brought up the fact that you and your husband are both care providers, medical care providers. So you got to tell me about that. Like how did you decide to have out of hospital births as medical professionals? Yeah. So it kind of came about pretty organically because when we first got pregnant with our daughter, I had not given much thought to birth. So I kind of just assumed I would go to hospital, um, you know, have an OBGYN, get all the drugs to help with the pain and our baby would be born. And uh, on another note, I also um, am very comfortable in hospitals. Like I work in a hospital. I've been a nurse for like 11 and a half years, but I also uh, was born with a cleft lip and palate. And so was my sister. So I have had a lot of experience in hospitals. I've had over 20 surgeries and it's actually a place that I, even though I've had a lot of um, stuff going on, I feel very comfortable there. So that's why Mm -hmm. I just assumed I would uh, give birth in hospital. And then actually at work, I uh, was working with um, a nurse that I'm actually not very close with and who doesn't even, didn't even have kids at the time, but she she knew I was pregnant and she asked me if I had seen the business of being born, which I hadn't. I feel like that's sort of a gateway for most people. It's a gateway. <laughs> I love that. It's a gateway yeah. drug. <laughs> yeah. So I, I watched that actually um, during my night shift, like in, on break. And um, I came home after my night shift and I told my husband, I was like, you have to watch this documentary with me. And we watched it that night. So I watched it back to back and, uh, I just remember my husband actually looking over at me and uh, saying, so how about we don't give birth in hospital? And uh, Mm. uh, that was sort of the reaction I wanted, but for him to actually be the one to say it made it a lot more real. (laughs) So mostly our goal with that was to avoid the cascade of interventions, which we do see in our line of work on a daily basis. And, uh, and then more and more, another coworker of mine um, had talked about his wife actually having a successful VBAC uh, using hypnobirthing, which I had never heard of. And uh, so I started looking more into that. And I actually ended up buying, um, because we're, my husband and I are both shift workers, actually attending a class did not work with our schedule. So I ended up do- downloading a, um, a self-study program on iTunes. <laughs> and um, it basically came with a textbook and it had eight audio um, CDs that we could listen to. And um, I found that's basically what I did in terms of um, birth prep. And I, uh, and a lot of different things really resonated with me in that program from a nursing perspective. Um, and the two main things were like the tear, fear, tension, pain cycle mm-hmm. and how that impacts birth. And then um, the other really big thing that I, I read and researched was um, the hormonal physiology of childbearing by Dr. Sarah Buckley. Both those two things just made um, so much sense to me and really made me want to have an um, undisturbed birth. That's amazing. Yeah, you definitely, that's incredible how much shifted during your pregnancy, you know, your perspective, all of this is going on while you were pregnant, making these decisions, that's, that's really neat to hear. Oh yeah. And I only started the hypnobirthing at 27 weeks, um, pregnant. So it was, (laughs) wow. Yeah. And so 
you, how did you find your birth center or midwives with that first pregnancy? How did you know where to go? Oh, well, um, so because I work with a lot of women, obviously a lot of nurses are women, not all of them. Um, a lot of, um, the nurses that I work with, I kept hearing that they had chosen midwives as their care provider. Um, and so I actually right from pregnancy knew I wanted a midwife, but originally I thought I wanted a midwife who would come with me in hospital to help me give birth. And the main reason I wanted a midwife was because of, um, the postpartum care at first, because I knew that they came to see you in your house. And I was like, well, that's great. I don't have to leave. Sign me up. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then as I obviously, once I did have a midwife and I did see the midwifery model of care, I realized how much more was involved and how, uh, how they really look at the whole person and how different it is from, um, I guess, the standard model of care. Right. Yeah, that, that's amazing that you were able to, <laughs> I don't know, I just keep thinking about that. Like, you were able to make all of these decisions as you're going through it. Cause, because I feel like a lot of times what happens is, you know, either moms know before they get pregnant, okay, this is what I'm wanting to do, or they have their first pregnancy and birth and it goes awry. And so then they start looking into options between their two pregnancies. So just thinking like, wow, she really was she was really on it. Like she really got a lot done during that pregnancy. That's, that's a lot of education and you took it very seriously. That's awesome. Oh yeah. My husband always says, he's like, you made this your job. (laughs) And, uh, and the other part that really helped was having him so on board with Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Um, we didn't actually listen to the, the tracks together, but he, um, did read most of the book (laughs) and he would always, uh, he would always check in with me and see how, how the course was going. And he would see me listen to my, my tracks every night and watch positive birth stories on YouTube and mm-hmm. basically do all the, all the things. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so neat. So did you have, so some of the people that you worked with, some of those nurses, did they introduce you to the specific midwife that you decided to use or midwives that you decided to use? No, actually I, um, I did, I basically just called around and I went to one that was able to take me based on my due date. And when I went there, I just felt um, pretty at peace and safe with her. She was very experienced. Um, and I never actually interviewed a whole bunch. I only, uh, we just decided on her, which we thought she would be our care provider, like, usually with the midwifery practice, uh, you meet the other care providers and there, there's usually for this one, there was her and then a backup. And it just so happened that, um, which I'll talk about more when we get into the birth story, but the backup just happened to go off on leave. So Mm. when I actually went into birth, of course, when (laughs) I went into labor, um, of course, when I called to let the midwife know, I had never even spoke with her ever. So um, that was a little bit unfortunate. But um, all the care leading up to um, the birth of our daughter was amazing. Yeah. That's great. Great. And okay, so so we have heard how you found out about midwifery. We know how you found your midwife. So what was the 
that experience of pregnancy like, especially like as you got towards the end and towards labor, what was, what was going on with you? Well, I had a really, really great pregnancy. I actually barely even had morning sickness. I felt really good throughout. I was able, I'm a pretty active person. It's a big part of my life. And I was able to stay active all the way to the end. Um, I did do a lot of things to sort of keep my, my body in check. I did a lot of walking. We have a home gym in our basement and I was doing, um, you know, a lot of squatting and I did see a chiropractor, um, cause I was just trying to make sure that my baby's position was in the, be- uh, the best possible position. So I found a chiropractor that did the Webster technique. Um, I, I didn't do spinning babies so much in my first pregnancy, but it was something that I was more aware of for my, my second. And, um, yeah, I just, I felt really great all the way up and I really liked being pregnant and I really found that the hypnobirthing, um, especially listening to it at night, I slept so well. (laughs) I, I, a lot of uh, women complain about, um, their sleep when they're pregnant. And I just, I remember sleeping so well. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. something that I really remember about birth and I just, our labor. And I really, I really, really enjoyed being pregnant. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, um, my due date was May 4th and, uh, I remember waking up on a Sunday, which was, I think I was 39 and five days or 30. 39 and four, actually. And uh, I woke up and I had noticed that I lost what I presume was my mucus plug. And um, I remember telling my husband and I'm like, oh, there's a little bit of blood. And he's like, is it Frank blood? Is it a lot of blood? He wanted to see the blood because he, he just to rule out anything serious. So, of course, <laughs> I, I show him <laughs> and uh, he's like, OK, OK. And um, but um, another one of my co-workers his wife had I know had lost her mucus plug weeks and weeks before they actually had their babies so I was like okay this probably just means that you know things could or could not happen and we uh we kind of just went about our day we're like well just in case we should scratch some stuff off off of our to-do list we were doing a lot of walking my husband prepped like 20 freezer meals and whoa um we had yeah (laughs) He, he, uh, when he's motivated, he can get stuff done. <laughs> and, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just had friends over that night. And my uh, my friend, she has two kids, and she could tell that I was kind of like cramping a little bit every now and then. But it was just, it was so like I wasn't even really aware of it. And uh, we had we had a uh, ordered food, and she was like, "This is probably gonna be your last meal, uh, kidless meal." And I kind of just brushed it off and we, we played a couple board games and that night, um, I went to bed and I basically every two hours I was waking up, um, needing to pee and a little feel like still feeling a little bit crampy, but I was able to go right back to bed. And, uh, up until about six o'clock in the morning when I, I felt like I couldn't sleep anymore. So I got up and I don't really even remember what I, what I was doing. Um, and around 10 o'clock, uh, my husband was working and was going to be going in for a night shift. So he had woken up a bit late and I just sort of told him what was going on. And he had an appointment at, I think, 1030. And he also was going in for his night shift. So he's like, should I cancel them? Should I go in? And I, uh, I told them, no, no, don't cancel. Don't call in sick. 
Um, I'm not sure if this is anything, uh, which you'll see in both my births, that one of my coping mechanisms was denial. <laughs> Even though, uh, <laughs> as I talk about it, it's like so obvious that I was in labor, but for both, I was in complete denial. Um, so I had told my mom what was happening and her, my mom and my sister came over um, in the later morning. They brought me a rose. They asked me if they could do anything. And I asked my sister if she could vacuum and walk my dogs. Um, and my mom was just more uh, a little bit on edge because because I was so in denial. She was like, does your midwife know? Megan, you're in labor. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. Everything's good. And at this point, like, I couldn't talk through contractions. Like, I had to oh, stop. Oh, my word. And, Yeah. And, um, but in between I felt great. And, uh, and I remember being like, oh man, my hair looks so bad. I don't want my hair to be bad for labor. So I was like, you know, curling my hair and, and, uh, so there's actually a nice picture of me with my hair all done. Um, <laughs> Classic. Halfway through the day. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so when I did finally call the midwife, um, like I said, it was someone I had never met before. And, uh, so she listened to me get through a couple of the contractions and she's like, okay, okay. Um, you know, call me back in a, in a few hours. So I was like, okay, fine. And, um, so my mom actually went home because she was still a little bit like, oh my gosh, this is happening and nobody sees it. I need to, <laughs> I, I need, need to, to get out of, out of here. <laughs> give her a little, <laughs> yeah. So I actually went up, um, to try to have a nap and it didn't happen. And then, so I decided I wanted to be in water and, before um, actually going into labor, I had really liked the idea of water, which is kind of funny because I'm not a big fan of water normally. Like I, mm. I don't really, yeah, I don't really love swimming. I don't like getting my hair wet. I have really curly kind of frizzy hair when it gets wet. And it's just like something that I don't, I don't love like a lot of other people. But I got into the water and um, I basically stayed there <laughs> for most of my labor. So I know a lot of um, people when they share their birth story, they, they always say, uh, wait for their midwife to say it's okay to get in water. And I never had that. Like I never um, was told wait to get into water. You know, we don't want to stall labor and so on and so forth. Um, So I guess when I was in the water, uh, my husband had called the midwife back and she said she was going to make her way over and she was over an hour away. And, uh, at this point, I still was in denial that I was in labor. <laughs> and uh, my, I just remember sitting in our oversized tub and, you know, I had our electric can or I had candles on. The lights were dim. My husband was uh, by the tub reading the hypnobirthing book and kind of giving himself <laughs> a pat on the back being like, oh, man, Refresher. I need it. He's like, I no, not a refresher. He hadn't finished it. He was like, oh man, I made it pretty far through this book. Good job for me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. And uh, so, anyways, when the midwife finally came, she asked me to get out of the tub so that she could check me. And um, my still, my biggest fear was for her to check me and be like, oh, you're not really even dilated at all. So I finally, I get out of the tub. Um, I lie on her bed for her to check me and she's like, okay, you are like seven, seven and a half centimeters. Your, your waters are bulging and the head is like almost right there. So we're going to need to like get dressed and go to the birth center, which was where we had 
plan to give birth. And right. So actually I do have a question about that. So is it, is that typically how the practice works? Well, they'll come to your house first. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unless, well, unless like, um, you call and you're like, nope, this is happening. We're mm-hmm. going, but me, I'm in denial. So I was like, yes, come check me yeah. over, <laughs> over at my house. <laughs> um, and so, and yeah, to back up, we had chosen the birth center um, just because it, I, it was um, a nice in between from the hospital and home. We weren't quite ready to commit to a home birth, but after the birth center birth, I'll explain that I was kind of like, well, we should have just stayed home. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but it, the birth center is so, we did a tour and it's basically like a fancy hotel and the tubs are humongous and it's just, it's just beautiful. So I was like, oh yeah, this is a perfect place to give birth. Um, and uh, it's not very far from our house either. And then my husband also liked that they have like easy access for paramedics in case something were to happen to bring you to the hospital for a transfer or whatnot. Um, So my husband's like, we had everything ready at the door, but nothing was in the car. So I was trying to get dressed, but I kept having contractions. I kept saying I had to pee and the midwife's trying to help me. And at first she was pretty calm and I'm like, okay, I got to pee again. I'm I'm moaning through contractions. And so you could tell that her, um, she was getting a little bit more um, panicky in her voice. Like she's like, no, no, we have to go now. We have to go now. I think your water's going to break soon. And I'm worried that, you know, this and that. So my husband's trying to get all the bags in the car and he leaves the front door wide open. So our dogs are like running around the neighborhood. And it was just, it was pretty funny. And so when I finally get dressed into the car, I am. I was sitting like, you know, facing the back of the seat with my head on the, my forehead on the headrest, um, kind of on like all fours. My husband's like, we can't drive like that. And I basically just looked at him and he's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Looks like we're and, driving uh, that way. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, uh, every time, you know, we took a turn, he kind of just put his arm out to, you know, prevent me from falling over. But remember, um, a lot of women from the birth stories I've listened to saying that the car ride was really terrible. And, um, so I tried to really focus on being relaxed. And I remember at one point we were listening to music and I was, um, I remembered, I think it was anime Gaskin. She w- would say like loose lips is loose lips, kind of like mm-hmm. keeping your jaw really loose. So I was kind of singing a bit along to the music and I really didn't find the car ride that bad. Um, but when we finally got to the birthing center, um, it took me like three questions to get out of the car and I opened my eyes cause, um, mostly throughout my whole labor, I had my eyes closed. Um, and I realized that my husband had parked at the wrong entrance of the birth center. <laughs> Cause uh, when we got our tour, they said, don't park at this one, park at the other one. So there's someone that can let you in for sure. And then I was like, Oh my God. So we have to get back into the car to drive to the other entrance, which maybe he should have just dropped me off. We <sighs> both weren't thinking at the time, but when we of were course. going back into the car, uh, the car <laughs> right beside us, um, the license plate said Addie, which was um, the nickname that we liked for our daughter because we knew we were we knew she was a girl and we knew we were naming her Addison. So we thought that was. And uh, so when we got to the right part of the, um, they were already filling up this huge tub, basically just stripped down to my arms. And um, my husband saying, "Do you want me to come into the water with you?" Which we talked about actually. And I was like, "Oh yeah!" And he just whipped out his bathing suit, <laughs> which I didn't know he had brought. That's and, cute. Um, and, <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, and the, <laughs> yeah, and that, 
I, I'm ready. Yeah. And that ended the best um, decision because the time was so big that there was no way I could really get comfortable. I would just end up floating there. So he was basically my pillow and my support through the whole thing. And um, he was saying a lot of affirmations, but I wasn't really paying attention. Like the hypnobirthing literally changed me to the core in terms of my beliefs about birth, but I wasn't using visualization or different things during my labor. It was more um, focusing on relaxing and surrendering to the um, the contractions or the surges and um, doing the, the breathing techniques that they suggest there. So um, I, uh, there was one point. So basically when my, the midwife got to our house, it was 6 p.m. So um, I had started the, the um, feeling a lot of the cramping at 6 a.m. where I couldn't uh, sleep through them. So at 6 a.m. that started. At 6 p.m. she came and checked me. I was 7 centimeters. We got to the birth center around 7 because that's how long it took for us to get out of the house. Um, and then we there was a point where I started grunting a bit. And so the midwife decided to check me and I was nine centimeters, but she said that um, our daughter was in a little bit of a weird position. I think it's called asyncletic mm-hmm. presentation. Yeah. Is that what kind of like up? a tilted head? Yeah. Yeah. So she had me doing like lunges in the tub. And a lot of the time when I was laboring in the tub, I was kind of just um, floating, lying on my back, but not with my bum in the tub, but like just floating on my husband. And, mm-hmm. um, and I was doing the lunges and then she asked me, okay, for the next um, contraction, do you want to change positions? And at first I was like, no. And then just intuitively my body was like, yeah. And I wanted to go on all fours. And basically I went on all fours. The next contraction she crowned and um, I, and then she was within 15 minutes. She went from not here to here. Wow. <laughs> she, uh, yeah. She, um, so she was, I was on all fours when she was born and I remember um, I I don't remember flipping over but I remember being on my back after like right after and trying to bring her up and I'm like oh the cord's really short and she had a nuchal cord so the midwife just undid it and brought her right up to um, my chest and I just remember being so relieved and just so um happy and be mm-hmm. saying my baby my baby oh my god my baby and the funny part about um my husband's first thing that he said to our daughter was um you have a brother and another brother which he was referring to our dogs <laughs> because <laughs> I'm, I'm I love our dogs I'm obsessed with them but he you know he can take them or leave them so I just found <laughs> it was so funny that that was the first thing that he decided to tell her <laughs> oh that's so cute I love that that's yeah, awesome so, so we have it on video and all you hear is you have a brother and another brother and oh. uh, and he was like well I was just trying to say something that I thought you would want to hear <laughs> oh man yeah all that hypnobirthing yeah it was quite quite cute and that's really nice a a really um I I missed a whole bunch of things but anyways my mom and my sister did make it to the birthing center and they were amazing they basically you know they stood back quite a bit but they the water it felt quite hot in the birthing tub um 
which my my husband would attest to. He, would, he later on would say, "I was so hot." <laughs> but uh, they were putting warm face cloths on my forehead and giving me sips of water, and and um, I was very um, internal in in my head. I uh, I didn't say like anything. I had my eyes closed pretty much the whole time, and whenever I would have a contraction. Um, on the exhalation, I would definitely moan, which I didn't expect myself to do. Um, and uh, the midwife that showed up, <laughs> she every time I did that, she would mimic me. And she mm. would do the same thing. And I get why she was doing it, because she wanted to keep me low, because lower is better than high pitch. But it bothered me so much. In my <laughs> but I, I didn't have the, like, I didn't tell her to stop I just remember being like can you stop that but I'm just saying it in my head not knowing if I'm saying it out loud or not and I remember right. my my husband asking me when she was doing that were you okay with that and I'm like no it was so annoying he's like oh I knew I should have said something <laughs> you know like <laughs> um but in the end it didn't like stall labor or anything like that it was just something that um I remember as being quite annoying <laughs> and uh I remember at one point also Pretty much the only thing I, one of the only two things I said was at one point I was like, I can do it. And my husband's like, yeah, you can. <laughs> but it was because in my head I was kind of like, it wasn't, um, I wouldn't say it was painful because it kind of was a slow progression, but it was kind of like, okay, how long is this going to go on for? Like, can I do this that much longer? And that was like just something that I, I verbalized at that moment. And that was probably transition. I don't know, but yeah, that's um, actually really impressive because <laughs> you're in transition saying I can do it. And obviously, you know, you're kind of like telling yourself like, Hey, I yeah, can do I'm it. Just telling myself, yeah. <laughs> during my transition with my last baby, <laughs> my words were, I can't. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, I probably was saying that in my head, but I don't right. really remember that. I just remember being like, I can do it. And, and my husband saying, yeah, cuter. you can. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. But then there was a, a not cute moment when um, <laughs> I was, so basically I was like fully dilated, grunting, clearly um, pushing, but not really knowing I'm pushing because my body was just doing it. And mm -hmm. I was listening to our birthing, uh, the hypnobirthing tracks, like the, the music. And then it was on my phone and then basically I'd shut off. So Ugh. I remember being like, where's the birthing music? And so my mom was trying to be helpful. And she was um, trying to get back on, but my phone was locked. So she was like, Megan, um, what's, what's your password? And literally my, my daughter was about to crown. So I actually ended up saying, mom, F off. And I, I felt so bad because she was just trying to be helpful and do exactly what I was asking for. And that's just how I, how I responded in the moment. But um, Oh, my word. But it's Okay. Not cute, but also yeah, kind of yeah, cute. So. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cute in its, in its shock factor. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, okay. Anyways. Will do. I know, I know that swear words and, you know, you say things that you don't really mean in labor, but. Right. Yeah. But that was basically the birth story for my daughter. Um, and we, we just, I, uh, we did immediate skin to skin. She was right on my chest. Um, I wanted delayed cord clamping. Uh, the midwife had basically talked like at the very end about giving me Pitocin because I was in the tub. She said it would be hard to visualize if I was 
bleeding or not. So she wanted to give me a shot of Pitocin to deliver the placenta. And I had never talked to my other midwife about it. So I was like, ah, sure, Mm -hmm. whatever. I was also GBS positive. So I already had an IV. I only ended up getting one dose of um, the penicillin because of how late we got to the birth center, which I was totally fine with. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my water only broke at the very, very end. I remember we were in the water and, um, I heard a big pop and I was like, I think that was my water. And she checked, she was like, yep, that was your water. So, um, I only got the one dose. So she gave me the Pitocin to deliver the placenta. And, um, and then once the placenta was delivered, we, um, actually before the placenta was delivered, my husband wanted to cut the cord and, uh, the midwife uh, basically took the scissors from his hands and told him he wasn't doing it right and cut the cord herself, (laughs) which he was, yeah. So there's a lot of little things that this midwife did that um, when we look back on it, we're like, oh man, that kind of Mm -hmm. put a little bit of a twist on things. So he was just kind of uh, a little insulted because he's like, I know how to use scissors. I'm just trying to, you know, like, (laughs) believe it or not, uh, (laughs) I actually completed (laughs) kindergarten. Exactly. So anyway, she basically cut the cord. So he was kind of like, okay. And uh, so we got out of of bed and, um, and we did skin to skin and my daughter latched and, um, when they wanted to check me out, I gave her to my husband. He was doing the skin to skin. And um, I had just two tiny, tiny, like, lacerations. they called paper cuts. They didn't need any stitches or anything, which I was really, really happy about because I was pretty scared about tearing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of my birth fears. And, uh, and when we weighed our daughter, she was five, thir- uh, five pounds, 15 ounces, which was close mm-hmm. to my birth weight. And, oh, um, yeah. And it was just really great. A really, really great experience. And yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like, I mean, you know, especially when you compare it to a lot of the experiences that you hear in the hospital, you know, all of the things that happen that you just aren't expecting or wanting to happen. But at the same time, it is very frustrating when you're expecting certain care providers or, you know, like, okay, you had your midwife and then you had the backup. So that's great. You know, you're comfortable with both of both of those. When somebody else enters that you don't know, that is, I'm sure that's very jarring. And especially when it turns out like, oh, actually don't really jive with this midwife. Exactly. <laughs> not so much fun. Yeah. And her energy was just not what we expected. It was so different from our laid back midwife. Like when mm-hmm. I got up to shower, um, she's like, okay, we're going to have a shower. So I, I was feeling great. I stood up and she was like, no, sit down. Cause they wanted to, I guess, help me to the shower, but I was already standing at this point and she's <laughs> yelling at me to, to sit down. And I was like, I felt like I was a child being scolded after I was on cloud nine from doing this like awesome thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she came to see us in our house postpartum, she was still like that. Um, our dogs are kind of, we're hyper when people come in initially and they're all hyper happy to see her and she's yelling at them and just basically making the whole experience not what I had pictured. Oh no. So I, at this point I was able to talk because <laughs> I mm-hmm. was obviously postpartum and I had, I ended up calling the midwifery practice and just asked if she could not come to our house. Cause this was, I think day two. Um, and we were still expecting a couple of visits. So I, at that point I was able to advocate for myself and 
and say what I wanted, which um, was great, but it's just, yeah. I just think of people who say if you were to give birth in a hospital, you don't even know who your nurse is going to be and just how much of an impact that the people present at the birth can have on the whole experience. Um, yeah, it was just something that really stuck with me. You are so right about that. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely something that I think other moms need to consider. It's Sometimes I feel like we get in this place where it's like, well, I've got a midwife, so it's going to be great. It's not even about whether or not this midwife is qualified, because I'm sure that midwife was a great skilled midwife. And I'm sure that if you asked a number of other people, maybe they love her personality and maybe it's yep. perfect for them. It's just that that's not what you were expecting and that's not who you know, connected well with you. So I do want for moms to do, to keep that in mind. Like, you know, when you're interviewing, interview a few people and obviously with your situation, you couldn't have helped it. You didn't know that that's how it was going to, to pan out, but it's a great point that like, yeah, people who's at, who is at your birth affects your birth. Yeah. And sometimes you don't really know what you're going to want anyway (laughs) like for you you might you originally maybe you thought you wanted all these people um for for support but it changes in the moment like I thought I would be super active in my labor oh I'm going to change positions I'm going to do this I'm going to use a birthing ball I'm going to do back squeezes I did none of that like literally I just lied in a tub and I didn't want people to touch me like I didn't (laughs) I didn't it was basically the opposite of what I thought Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to know, but if you talk about it with, with, you know, your birth partner, or if you have a doula, um, how you want to feel and what some of your expectations are, maybe they can advocate for you, um, yes. in that moment when you're not really able to, uh, to do it yourself. Very, yes. Very good point. And beyond just like the, like, Hey, I, you know, I want to be in the tub or whatever. Those are all things that we should talk about and tell our partner. But I also feel like the fact that your husband was kind of in tune with the hypnobirthing was in tune with you during your pregnancy. That is really, really super helpful because you're right. You don't know, truthfully, you don't know what you're going to want during labor, but if you are on a good connected plane it's kind of easier for them to navigate, you know, okay, what, how do I fit into this puzzle? Which is really oh, for cool sure. Yeah. And I remember just feeling so connected with him after and feeling like we were like the best birth team and how I couldn't oh. have done it without him. And he felt the same, you know, he felt like he was really part of the process because mm-hmm. a lot of times you can feel, um, you know, they can feel powerless um, right. in, in, in those situations and like they don't know what to do, but he totally... He totally stepped up to the plate. <laughs> that's amazing. That's that's always so sweet to hear. Yeah. Now, okay, so that was your first birthing experience. And as a whole, that was amazing. Like that was a really beautiful experience. So what made you decide, because with your second, you had a home birth, right? Yeah. So, yeah, what, so what happened? So uh, we had always thought we wanted our kids close together. Um, but as you can tell, well, our kids aren't that close to, uh, aren't that far apart. My daughter's three and a half. My son's like four months old. Um, but we, it took me a long time to get my cycle back. I did breastfeed my daughter till she was about two and a half. Um, and I was just one of those people that needed to completely stop breastfeeding in order to um, get my fertility back. But on top of that, 
when I went back to work, um, I went back at nine months, which I know that sounds like a long time because for people in the States, you guys don't get as <laughs> much of a maternity leave, but that was actually early for us in Canada. I gave my husband three months paternity leave. Um, so I went back at nine months and just going back to, um, I felt like my job was more stressful than it felt before I had my daughter. I felt like, um, things affected me a lot more. I went back uh, during a stressful time when a coworker's son was admitted and I just, with the shift work and still breastfeeding and leaving my nine month old, I felt really stressed and, um, I started not sleeping very well. And, I'm someone who's pretty health conscious and I listen to a lot of health podcasts and then, you know, I try to stay really healthy and basically what you hear a lot of the times is how sleep is the most important thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It trumps nutrition sometimes, it trumps exercise, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, great. Well, um, I'm not sleeping, so I must be doing a lot of harm to my body. And I started stressing about my sleep, which is like the worst thing that you can do. And (laughs) I'm stressing about not sleeping. So now I'm double not sleeping. Exactly. So it basically became this huge thing. I had major, major insomnia for two years. Um, Wow. Yeah. It really, really impacted um, my health. Um, My husband had to call in sick for work at times because I was like, oh my God, I can't function. I can't take care of our toddler today. Like I'm just so tired. And it wasn't even related to, um, I know a lot of moms develop anxiety and stuff. Like I didn't feel anxious in terms of mothering. I just felt like um, my brain was so busy and I couldn't relax. And I basically um, wasn't, I I tried all the things to do, to, um, improve my sleep and uh the thing that ended up working was cognitive group therapy (laughs) for insomnia Mm. and it was um it was the thing that really really worked um and I actually ended up doing it when I was um uh so I got pregnant with our son in November and so I started doing the course in March so I was pregnant at the time and it was um kind of hard because you know they put you on a strict sleep schedule where you are in bed less time than you think you should because people with insomnia think oh man I'm not sleeping so now I need to go to bed earlier to make up for that lack of sleep but really it's the opposite Mm. you want to restrict your time in bed so that the time that you're actually asleep is quality sleep and you so I was only given like five and a half hours to sleep and Mm. I remember um I got like the worst cold. I got gastro. I was like down to my pre-pregnancy weight. And then I got shingles. (laughs) (gasps) Oh my word. Yeah. And, uh, so I was like, Oh, this is lovely. (laughs) And and this was uh, me knowing, you know, like how important it is to be, uh, reduce your stress and all this stuff while you're pregnant because, you know, stress and all that impacts the baby. So my first part of my pregnancy, I felt like I was trying to be, um, trying to control my stress, but I was also more stressed than I had been in my previous pregnancy. But once um, I made it through the course and my sleep was back, like, better, it wasn't, like, amazing. I still had, you know, nights of insomnia. Um, The rest of the pregnancy was a breeze. So that's kind of like a long answer for... (laughs) um, Yeah, that's so interesting, though. But I, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. Okay. And I briefly, I would, so the cognitive group therapy, like what did it, 
what did it entail? You, you like met up with a group and they put you on a schedule of sleeping and (laughs) yeah. So it was basically like, um, it's run by a doctor in our city. He's actually like the only one and it's covered by our, our health insurance, which was awesome. That's great. And, um, it was a six week program where you're there for, um, once a week for, I already forget if it was, I think it was two hours and, it's all about changing your negative uh, sleep thoughts, um, putting, uh, doing this whole sleep schedule. It's based on a book called uh, Say Goodnight to Insomnia. Uh, I forget the doctor, but um, uh, talking about sleep hygiene. It's just basically, it's not like where you're talking and sharing your feelings with people. It's mm-hmm. more that the doctor is teaching you um, different techniques on how to change your thoughts and perceptions about sleep because that, and that can be the number one thing driving the insomnia, working on mindfulness, relaxation techniques. And, um, people, if you are on sleep medications, there's a certain protocol to wean off of them. And, um, yeah, those are like the main components that you have to have a, you, you have a sleep journal where you track your sleep and there's actually like this Excel spreadsheet where mm. it's a whole bunch of, it's pretty intricate, but um, it's pretty cool that once you do it and you trust the process, how much it, it can improve your, your sleep and your quality of life. Right. Absolutely. That's amazing. And I'm so glad that it did, you know, you were able to get through that and see progress even in the midst of your pregnancy that that didn't, you know, that didn't change anything. You still got the results. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I would joke that I'm like, great, my sleep is under control and now it's going to be all back to normal once the baby comes in. Perfect. (laughs) Or back to before. Yeah. Right. Back to crazy. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so that's your interim. You have first pregnancy, interim, insomnia, horrible. Yeah. And then, but now we're back on track and what happens next? Yeah. So um, basically, when we got pregnant with this next baby, I knew I wanted a home birth. I was like, okay, we, I labored for the majority of the time at home. Anyway, we drove to the birth center. She came two hours later. And then three hours after that, we went home. I'm like, it didn't matter where I was because I had my eyes closed the whole time. I had brought like <laughs> electric candles and all these things. And I didn't know where I didn't even like open my eyes. So it didn't really matter. And then I, um, I made my husband watch Why Not Home, the documentary about why healthcare professionals are choosing to give birth um, outside of the hospital. And not only healthcare professionals, but healthcare professionals working with birth and all that. Um, And then I, even once he saw that, he still wasn't really on board for home birth, which kind of surprised me because he saw how well our first birth went. And for him, it was more of a, he knows that sometimes like where we live, there's not necessarily paramedics or an ambulance available in case something were to happen. Um, he, he wasn't sure about um, the messiness of it, which it wasn't messy at all. Right. <laughs> and um, that is always, that's often a, a big concern though. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and also my mom as well, even though she, she was there for my whole birth. She was like, why do you want to give birth at home? And I, it was a lot of me 
um, <clears throat> trying to reassure everyone that it would be okay. And I would just joke that, you know, I can just refuse to go to the birth center <laughs> when the time comes. Okay. And, we can uh, say that I'm going, but <laughs> I'm just letting you know I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, and then also like I, the, after my first birth, it, it created this whole passion in me about birth and the whole process so even after I'd given birth to her I would still listen I was still listening to all my birth podcasts and all my stuff about uh pregnancy and labor and you know a lot of stuff about Bruce Lipton and you know epigenetics and the consciousness of babies even in the womb and the micro like there's so many different reasons and um why I chose home birth um and basically when the time came I'm very happy I chose a home birth because otherwise I probably would have been giving birth like in the car, <laughs> which we can get into if you, <laughs> yeah, if you, uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, I ended up getting pregnant. Um, eventually once I stopped nursing, it was pretty much the next cycle. Um, the second half of my pregnancy was great. I felt so good. Um, we did find out the gender. We knew we were having a boy and part of, my husband and I were both like, hmm, is this it for our kids? For us, we weren't sure, but we were kind of thinking it was. So I was kind of uh, mentally preparing um, that myself that this was my last pregnancy. So I was enjoying it. I totally wanted to go late um, because I felt like the first part of my pregnancy, I didn't really appreciate as much because I was mm. so, um, I was feeling so terrible um, with the insomnia and whatnot. And then, so I was doing a lot of meditation and kind of like manifesting the type of birth I wanted and telling myself I was going to go late. And I, uh, this time I had bought hypno babies and, um, I wasn't, I had a really hard time getting into the hypno babies one, because I had a lot less time to, <laughs> to put towards it. And just right. every time I put it on, I, I uh, would end up falling asleep and I felt like I wasn't doing enough. But um, I really feel like all the preparation I did in my first birth just prepared my mind. Um, it carried through for this birth as well. Um, so I was due July 14th. Um, and then on Canada Day, which is July 1st here, um, my husband was working a day shift. So my daughter and I ended up going up to um, my parents' friend's cottage home they live there it's this beautiful cottage on golden lake and um, we spent the whole day there we were swimming eating I was actually stand-up paddle boarding um <laughs> we went on a huge walk and um I was like piggybacking my daughter I had no no Braxton Hicks no symptoms leading up to to this at all I remember like the only pain I had was I got a blister on my foot um so we ended up uh, driving back home and my daughter was going to sleep at my mother-in-law's so that I could get some stuff done um, because I didn't have any freezer meals made. My house wasn't clean. I barely had like anything prepared. Um, I had just finished like washing all of the baby clothes and hanging them uh, that weekend. So I dropped her off at my mother-in-law's, came home. Um, probably I went to the bathroom at like 9.30 and I noticed it wasn't as obvious this time, but I was like, hmm, is this my mucus plug? Um, again, I was like, Hey, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily going into labor right away. I was Googling pictures of the <laughs> of mucus plugs and trying Obviously. to compare it, <laughs> uh, Googling all my symptoms. I'm like, okay, well, if this is really it, I probably should go to bed. So I went to bed, um, at 10 30 and I woke up at midnight 
and I had cramping. And I was like, oh man, this is, uh, I, ha- I really want to kind of do what I did last time where I was able to go back to bed in between. And I realized that these contractions are coming very regularly. So I downloaded a contraction timer and they are literally coming every four to five minutes and they're like 45 to 60 seconds long. So I was like, oh, great. Um, I decided to get up out of bed. I don't really even remember what I did during these, la- these next two hours. I was kind of just walking around the house. I was in the baby's room looking at his clothes um, and then the contractions started to get more intense. So I decided I wanted to go have a bath. And when I went to go into our big uh, bath in our master bedroom, I realized it was all dirty because my husband had been working on building our daughter's bed and there was like paint chips in there. And there was like <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And I was, so at 2 a.m. I decided I'm going to wake him up um, to clean the bath. But he was working at 5.30 that morning. So I mm-hmm. wake him up, try to wake him up gently and I was like I'm not sure if uh this is it but I think I'm in labor so he's all like shoots out of bed he's like I got colon sick and do all these things and I told him I'm like no I don't I don't think this is actually it so just hold off a little bit and he was just like no I'm not falling for this again (laughs) you're like the worst (laughs) the worst person when you're in labor you're You're the last person to know (laughs) exactly exactly so he gets up and he cleans the bath and I go down to get snacks and drinks thinking this is going to be a long thing. And on my way up, I literally like I'm having contractions on like every step. I can't even make it up the stairs. Mm -hmm. He's like, does your mom or your midwife know? I'm like, no. So he tries calling my mom and then texts her at two 30. He does the same for the midwife. Um, The midwife calls and I'm in the bath at this point. And she's like, should I come? And my husband, Steph is like, do you want her to come now? And I'm like, I don't want her to come in the middle of the night and just be watching me if this isn't it. And, and then so basically like, yeah, you should come. <laughs> and, <laughs> so that means yes. Yeah. And uh, so they both come around 3 a.m. Um, at this point, the midwife uh, was kind of just chilling. And the midwife, so back up a tiny bit. So the midwife that we had chosen this time for, um, this birth was actually the backup that we had for our first, like not the backup, but the one that showed up for our daughter for, you know, how two midwives show up. Right. It was her that we wanted and she had just such a calm demeanor. She was, we had done a couple consults with her before because she was filling in for the backup and we just loved um, the balance between like evidence-based practice and also, you know, like letting nature do its course and we just we just really loved her so we actually um chose her as our um midwife this time around and she had actually went to a different practice so um she shows up and she's super calm and um had wanted to check me um just because the second midwife was kind of far away and she wanted to know when um we should call her um, but as she, I was like, yeah, that's fine. But as she's going to check me, I have another contraction and I'm doing the same like moaning, like, ah, oh, <laughs> that I did for the first. And she's like, okay, I'm just going to call her. Right. So I <laughs> that's believe, enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I believe the, the backup midwife came around four. Um, we had discussed, um, when we were deciding on the home birth that my husband's like, okay, well, if we have a home birth, then I'm not, I can't get in the tub with you because our tub is smaller than the birth center one. And I I told him that was fine. 
Um, but around four, I just felt like I could not get comfortable. Like the whole time I felt like the contractions were really low down. Um, I felt a lot of pressure from the beginning and, um, I couldn't even bend because I just felt like his head was right there. So I was like, I asked my husband if he could come in the tub with me. And so he was like, sure. And he's looking for bathing suit, scrambling, looking for it everywhere. And then so once he got in the tub with me and I was able to lie back on him, like I just felt so comfortable and it was like totally exactly what I needed in that moment. He never really said anything to me. He was just there. And I was, um, my uh, mom actually captured a really good picture of um, us lying in the tub, um, me lying against him. Both of our eyes are closed. My midwife is just in the corner looking at us and we have candles going and the lights dim. Um, it was, it's one of my favorite pictures because it, basically was exactly the way I pictured my birth being mm. like this peaceful, calm experience. And uh, my grandma had also died this um, year and I had a can like a candle lit that had her picture and everything on it. So oh. my mom, yeah. So my mom came into the bath, um, the bathroom when she first arrived, she saw that and she basically just turned her to face me. So like she was in the room too. It was really nice. That's so sweet. Yeah. And then, and, um, Basically, I, to, uh, I don't, time-wise, I'm not sure, but um, I told my husband I felt a little pushy. And he was like, well, we don't even know how far you are. Like, you haven't even had a check. And then the next contraction, I basically was, <laughs> again, I swore, but I, uh, <laughs> I was like, I feel like I have to SHIT. <laughs> <laughs> and so the midwife came back in the room, which I didn't actually do that because leading up to when my I had woken up at midnight I had gone to the bathroom so many times I cleaned myself out um so my midwife comes in the room and she's so calm and she's like okay feel down to see if you can feel your baby and I remember feeling down and expecting to feel like you know kind of a head but all I felt was this like jelly-like thing and it was my waters because they hadn't broken mm -hmm. they were just kind of hanging out there so that kind of like took me by surprise I was kind of like ah what is that um and then um, three minutes later, he was born. Like he just, I didn't push at all. He was, I was actually kind of holding his head in. Um, my water must have broken while he um, was crowning because the, um, the amniotic sac was around him, but it had, he wasn't born fully in call. Um, so we brought him right up to my, my chest. I remember just kind of bringing him up and he kind of looks around, does a little, little cough and just went right back to sleep <laughs> we laughed oh we that he uh he didn't he wasn't sure he was born yet he was <laughs> so calm um he was covered in vernix and we just like were cuddling in the tub and I had talked to my midwife um about wanting to try a physiological delivery of my placenta without mm -hmm. the pitocin and she said that would be fine but just they have a protocol that if it wasn't delivered within 30 minutes we have to go to the hospital. So I was like, okay, let's see if we can do it. And we were waiting. And um, she's like, well, and I had, um, he had latched at this time to help with the, with that. Um, so he was, uh, I was nursing him and the placenta still didn't want to come out. So she asked if um, I could stand up. So I'm nursing him, standing up in the tub, one leg over <laughs> the tub, trying to get gravity to do its thing. Um, it still wasn't working. So the other midwife, um, did give me 
me a shot of Pitocin in my thigh. My mom, I remember my mom saying, oh, well, this would be quite the picture because it's, it's just like so much going on in one picture. But um, <laughs> Captain Morgan and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we ended up uh, getting out of the tub and just going to the bed and uh, continued to nurse him. And um, it had been over half an hour and the, the placenta still hadn't uh, come out. So uh, I got an, an additional uh, shot of Pitocin in my... And uh, the placenta came out no problem, very minimal bleeding. Um, I also wanted to have him still attached to the placenta um, before we cut the cord. Um, so one, he could get all the blood, but also I wanted to get a cool picture of the cord and a heart shape. Yeah, important. <laughs> very important. Um, which we got, and they didn't actually turn out very well because he's kind of just, just like swayed out there, and it wasn't the most... Um, attractive picture but it's okay I still got it <laughs> you still have it and yeah. <laughs> and um yeah it was uh I had one tiny paper cut tear I thought um I was worried at the time when he was crowning I was like oh my gosh he's going like I'm probably going to tear for sure because it happened so fast but again mm -hmm. no tearing and um and we also when we looked at him we thought oh he's so much smaller than his sister uh, so we are, we waited a while to weigh him, but when we eventually did weigh him, we realized he was a full pound more than her. We just couldn't remember how small <laughs> babies are. So he, he ended up I being seven it. pounds. Yeah. Aww. And, um, he literally didn't cry for like his first month of life. He was so chill. Mm. Um, he still is really chill. And, uh, I just look back on both of my births and I think like, instead of thinking like, oh, my midwife delivered my baby or or my OBGYN delivered my baby, I always look back on that time and I just think of me and my daughter and my son working together as a team and we did it together. And I, I just, even now, um, I, I look back on that moment. It's like better than my, my wedding day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and it's, it's because like, you know, you're, you're meeting a new person who's part of you and part of your husband and you know your husband was right there supporting you like that is oh, oh yeah. like the emotions and um oh there was something else that I wanted to say about what you just oh that's ex I was gonna say like that what you describe is exactly how it should be it should not be like oh well this person delivered my baby for me no you and your baby working together is just it's brilliant that's what it's supposed to be and I'm so grateful that that's how you feel about it. And I hope that other moms are having that experience too, because that's really what it's all about. That's exactly like what I want for other moms too, is just for them to feel um, super empowered afterwards, because it's the start of your motherhood journey. Yes. And it should be, it's something that you're never going to forget. And for it to be po a positive experience um, just makes the whole journey that much easier. Oh, I could not have said it better myself. Thank you for those words. That's perfect. <laughs> Just and I, perfect. I should also add that the as soon as <laughs> um, Porter was born, my husband was like, home birth is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, we, we, we were, converted him. We were, <laughs> we were in our own bed. My, my mom had actually, um, when she showed up at our house, she lives like three minutes away. She had gone home to bring the dogs to her house and whipped up this like snack platter. Um, so she just, uh, we were in bed having this like amazing snack platter, cuddling our baby, you know, eating our own. It was just like exactly, exactly um, 
what I envisioned. And, uh, and yeah, it was just hilarious that that was his first thing. <laughs> the first that home birth was the best. <laughs> right. First oh, time it's here. <laughs> first time is you've got two brothers. You've got a brother and another brother. And then this time yeah. home birth is the best. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. I, I like to know what he says. They're very cute things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Megan, thank you so much for sharing these stories with us. They are so wonderful. And it's it's really exciting when a mom you know, it's not started off with like, well, we had this negative experience, which I, you know, those stories are, they're so important, but the fact that you were able to, um, to prevent that from happening and, you know, the way that it all happened, you know, like I said, probably twice before, like the fact that it was in your pregnancy that you made these Mm -hmm. decisions, it was just such a fascinating story. And I'm so grateful for you taking the time to share this with us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. I've uh, I've been really wanting to share my birth story, and I just love your podcast. And I I continue to listen to all of them, even though I'm not pregnant. <laughs> <at> the <moment. laughs> that's perfect. I love I love to hear it. I mean, that's one of those things. Like, I mean, how can you not love listening to empowered moms tell stories? Like, it's it's a home birth podcast, but come on, it's for yeah. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you once again, Megan. Thank you. How cool was that story? And you know what's fascinating? As we enter the episode roundup, from my perspective at least, there have been a number of common themes throughout the last weeks of birth stories. I'll begin with this. So although it could not be helped on Megan's part, she did not jive with the backup midwife who attended her birth. Luckily, she was at a place in her labor where it didn't throw her off completely, but it certainly did bother her. This shows just how important the birth team can be. Energy can be palpable, especially in such vulnerable a time as birth. And this is a funny one. I love how moms have certain tells of approaching the end of the birthing process. For example, Megan mentions letting some expletives fly right before baby arrives both times. This is so cute to me, and I pray that doesn't sound belittling, but some of my favorite moments at births have been when a sweet, angelic mom lets out a string of words that would make a sailor blush. Truly, it is such an amazing glimpse into the primal state of the birthing mother and the openness that the birthing process demands. I also love hearing how the birthing process so often brings out the best in the partner team. Megan's husband was such a strong support for her. The fact that him just getting in the water with her during her second birth allowed her that final piece of relaxation, that is so special. And finally, Megan took childbirth education seriously. You all know this is a passion for me, but I just love seeing mothers take their education and choices seriously, and Megan did such a perfect job of that. Well, my friends, I can't thank you enough for your willingness to share your stories. It is such an honor to be able to listen and to be able to share them with others who I know find such comfort and support in hearing the journey. That's all I've got for you now. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Hey, are you finding these stories and interviews helpful? Support the show by heading to myhappyhomebirth.com and purchasing a t-shirt, candles, or even just clicking share on your social media page. Thanks for keeping the podcast going.